illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgate headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how are you doing? You know, Billy, doing all right. It was a relaxing weekend for once. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. Didn't have a tailgater, so got to take a little time off. Yeah. Watch the game over at Mom and Dad's house. That nice. was fun. Yeah, and, just uh, just was surprised when Dad didn't call me. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I, uh, I, 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 I got to be a sounding, sounding board on uh, Saturday. And then, then after that, I had to help him get the Christmas tree down from uh, from the storage in the garage. Oh, I've had to do that, too. And then I had to shut off his irrigation water, too. Oh, I haven't had to do that. Oh, that one's a fun one. That one sounds dirty. Yeah, dirty. Like Christina Aguilera, dirty. <laughs> I want to thank, <laughs> want to remind everyone, want to remind everyone that the purpose of illegal participation is to, for us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, and just be a little silly and stupid every week. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any other podcaster. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and also HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. And I don't think we got any emails this week except for Kyle's. So let's move right into some Beaver Sports, shall we? Billy, let's shout. All right, Beats, first up is women's volleyball. Oh... <laughs> I need to get out my tissues. Where the hell are they? Go on, Billy. I'm Just ready. don't tell me you need to go get the lotion, too. No, 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 no. That's for the girls' soccer team. Okay. <laughs> Soccer's over, Beach. I don't like tall girls. <laughs> All right, Beach. The Oregon State volleyball team took on USC at Gill Coliseum on Friday. 
and fell in straight sets. <laughs> Michael Vernon led the Beavs with 11 kills. Setter Ina Balico was the only other Beaver in double figures, finishing with 33 assists in the contest, the most for the transfer in a three-set match this season. Now, Beach, in a marathon match on Sunday afternoon at Gill, Oregon State took on UCLA. And proceeded to get their asses kicked. And lost in four sets. <laughs> four different Beavs finished in double figures for kills, with Michael Vernon leading all attackers with 19 of her own. Sophomore Delara Unal and freshman Kinley Swan both recorded careers highs, finishing with 12 and 11 kills, while Katarina Chichenko added 15 for OSU. Oregon State closes the 2022 season on the road next week at Stanford on Wednesday and Oregon on Friday. Mm. Now, Beach, I did hear that um, actually the head coach was actually retiring after this year. Really? Yeah. So that's probably a good how, Yeah, how how uh, how long have I, is it a he or she? It's a dude. I think he's been there seven years. Have they ever had any success? Uh they went to the NCAA tournament in twenty seventeen, I think. You think he's a bad recruiter? I there's been a lot of um stories in the AP about him and a lot of girls that have left. And he sounds kind of like a bully. Hmm. But this is all what I've read hearsay. is hearsay kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said, she said kind of stuff. But, you know, if you start having that, it, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. If it's the way people are feeling exactly. when they're leaving, there, there's got to be something there. Yeah. And uh, either you need a change on how you respond to the girls or you need a change completely, which if this is his last year, maybe that's a good choice. Correct. All right, Beach. next up is men's soccer. Because going back to that, you know, you look at uh, Coach Ruick. And the, the girls who play basketball for the Beavs just love the hell out of him. Yeah. From the sounds of it. I mean, he, he's one of the reasons why we get such good talent. As they say, he's just a, a, an outstanding guy to, you know, when he comes to recruit you, he just, he, he sells a great program. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. What was that, Billy? What's well, Beach, next up? Next, next on to men's soccer. Okay. So Beach, uh, the Beavs took on the University of Portland Pilots at Lorenz Field just tonight at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening mm-hmm. in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Okay. How'd that turn out, or do we know yet? Well, Beach, Portland scored in the 78th minute to take a 1-0 lead. And how many minutes are there in the game? Because they make it up in the points and the, the rules and everything. 90. Okay. Is that where we're at? No, the game's over. Oh, so we lost? And the Beavs lost two to nothing, ending their season. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but that was still a good season. Yeah. So, uh, and that was University of Portland. Yeah. Huh. Pilots, huh? Yep. Well, I, I don't know. I'm assuming pilots have always had an outstanding girls uh, soccer program. They've, they've, I'm assuming they have an outstanding boys soccer program. A very good men's soccer program. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that been the case for decades now, hasn't it? I think they were well-respected when back in the 90s. Yes. So, wow. Cool. Well, I guess if you're going to lose, lose to a good team. Yep. And um, So, what's next up, Billy? Next up is cross-country. Ooh, okay. I'm finding cross-country a little fascinating this year. We never talked about it before, well, have we? Uh, not Well, we've talked a little bit about it here and there, but it was the um, national championships this weekend, Beach. 
and Oregon State placed 24th in the country behind All-America performances from Kaylee Mitchell and Grace Feathersonha. The Beavs that, that, that I saw that name on on one of my Facebook pages, and I I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. Say that one more time, Billy. I believe it's pronounced Feathersonha. Okay. The Beavs entered the race ranked number 23 in the coaches' poll and tied for 23rd with Syracuse at 544 points. The Orange snuck ahead on a tiebreaker, but Oregon State's finish remained the second best in school history. Hmm. Now, Mitchell earned the honors with an 18th place result, one of 19 runners to break the previous record, the course record on the day. Her finish is the best individual result in school history, uh, besting her 20th place finish in 2020. Now, Featherston Huck placed 31st to complete her trifecta as an All-American in cost country, as well as indoor and outdoor track. Hmm. Now, also, Christina Geisler placed third on the team at 145th overall. The senior bested her previous marks at the NCAA Championships from 2020 when she raced to 155th in Stillwater with Boise State. So she was a transfer from Boise State. Geisler also shaved off a minute of her time on the same course. That's impressive. Yeah, so good good overall season for women's cross country. Yeah. Next up, we got a little wrestling news. How's wrestling going? Well, Beach, six Beavers took home tournament titles in their weight classes um, as Oregon State wrestling team partook in the 2022 Roadrunner Open on Sunday down in Bakersfield. Number 10, Brandon Kaler at 125. Number 20, Cleveland Belton at 141. Number 30, Matthew Olguin at 165. Mason Renish at 174. And number six, Trey Munoz at 184 and Tanner Harvey at 187 all ran the table with undefeated marks to win their classes. Kaler and Belton knocked off ranked opposition in their respective finals and continued their strong starts to the season. Belton uh, was undefeated on the day, 5-0, and and that featured upending 31st-ranked Angelo Martinoni in the final with a 4-2 decision to clinch the tournament's win. Now the Beavs will return to the mat in Las Vegas for the Cliff Clean Invitational, taking place December 2nd and 3rd. Okay. Now we've got a little bit of women's basketball news. We're into basketball season. Okay. How are Ruick and the girls doing? Well, Talia von Olhoffen scored a career-high 32 points to go with 10 rebounds and willed Oregon State to a 73-66 win over Eastern Washington last Thursday. The sophomore endured a physical affair while playing a game-high 35 minutes to score her 32 points on 10 of 19 shooting with an 11-for-12 day at the free-throw line. She was aided by a double-double from Reagan Beers, who scored 13 points and hauled in 12 rebounds. The freshman also swatted three shots. She, she's a freshman? Uh, Reagan Beers is. Okay. Yeah. The other one's a sophomore? Yeah, although it's, it's Van, Hol- Van Holhoffen's uh, third year, but she's only a sophomore. Because that first year didn't count. Oh, okay. because of COVID. Okay. So it was like a non-counting year, although she got to play most of the season. Oh, she got okay. to play like half the season, I think. So she'll actually play five if she, if she stays in school and she'll, doesn't leave early. She'll have five years. Like four and a half, because I think she came okay. halfway through that first year. Okay. Cool. 
Then Beach on Saturday, Oregon State led nearly wire to wire behind Reagan Beers' third straight double-double to knock off Prairie View A&M 100-59. Beers scored a career-high 28 points to go with 12 rebounds, seven of which came on the offensive side to help the Beavs hit the century mark for the first time since December 1st, 2018. Now, AJ, AJ Marat finished with 16 points and Talia Van Olhoffen 12 and both scored in double figures for the fourth time this year. Now, up next, the 4-0 Beavs head to Portland to take on number four, Iowa, on Friday, November 25th in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. The Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Yeah. So, but that's going to be a big test going up against number four, Iowa. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yep. All right. So 4-0, way to start the season. Now we'll go off to uh, men's basketball. Okay. The Oregon State men's basketball team opened up the 2022-23 season with three consecutive wins as the Beavs took down Bushnell 83-66 last Tuesday evening at Gill. All right, so are we, are we looking pretty good? Well, Beach, they started off 3-0. Glenn Taylor Jr. finished with 19 points, 16 of which came in the second half. Jordan Pope continued the hot start to his Oregon State career, finishing in double figures for the third straight contest as he ended his day with 15 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds. Then on Saturday evening at Gill Coliseum, Oregon State uh, took on Portland State. Are you there? I'm here. I'm waiting for you to say something. Oregon State took on Portland State. And lost 79 to 66. Oh. Oh. I wasn't ready for it. I thought things were looking so good. With the defeat, the Beast moves to 3-1 and one on the season. Now in that game, Beach, Glenn Taylor Jr. led Oregon State with a career-high 25 points on 6-for-8 shooting from the floor and 13-for-15 shooting from the free-throw line. Jordan Pope finished in double figures for the fourth time in four games, going for 14 points. Now, Oregon State um, will head to Portland this week to take part in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. The Bees will open the event Thursday against Duke. Duke, 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 Duke of Earl, Duke, Duke. Interesting. Yeah. So, Duke's pretty darn good, though, aren't they? Well, aren't they always in the top ten? Chachevsky just uh, retired. Okay. So I'll see. Let me see here. I can tell you where if they're ranked. I think. But I mean, chances are they still got a lot of good talent. Uh, well, you're gonna have some residual talent there. You, you know, I was reading a uh, a quote from. Uh, I think it was on the. Uh, Looks on like the Duke, Duke is ranked seventh in the AP and eighth in the coaches. Wow. Okay. I was I was reading a uh, quote from Dennis Erickson because they were talking about Jonathan Smith. You know, and, and uh-huh. his, so far, and he made a comment. I'm not going to do this quote justice, but he he said pretty much, you know, Oregon State is a blue collar team, and you got to go out there and you got to find players that aren't that are being overlooked by the major universities, and and try to 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 go that route because you're you're not the top top guys, mm-hmm. you know, and and I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. A, a blue collar. I've never heard this being referred to as a blue collar university but in a lot of ways in terms of our sports we are we don't have the cash we don't have the the name recognition we don't have the legacy for a lot of these uh these sports so you just got to bring in some decent talent and pray to god you can mold them into being good players so anyway thought that was i thought that was an interesting quote from erickson i agree so 
Anyway, Billy. Yes, Peach. Do you hear that? I do. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Coach Lanning being eyed by Auburn for head coaching job. From the Register Guard, uh, with the success Dan Lanning has had in his first season at Oregon, it came as no surprise when his name emerged in a recent report from Sports Illustrated linking the football coach to the opening at Auburn. The story indicated there was mutual interest between the SEC program and Lanning, who coached at Georgia and Alabama before taking the Ducks job last year. During his weekly press conference Monday night, Lanning said he is happy in Eugene. First, I will say things like this are going to come up when you have team success and you do your job and things go the way they're supposed to go. That's credit really to our team, Lanning said. I think there's a little bit of problem in society today with people looking at for what's next and where there's an opportunity. The reality is the grass is not always greener. In fact, the grass is damn green in Eugene. It is thought he might have been talking about the wonderful types of marijuana that has grown in and around Eugene, <laughs> or perhaps the subtle reference that money talks when it comes to where he chooses to coach next year. Essentially, he is a whore for the money. And as many of us know, over the last few years, Oregon has been a great place to leave. This has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. Yeah, I don't know if Mario Cristobal is uh, glad he left Eugene. Yeah, you know, he made a similar uh, statement, though, didn't he? Who? Cristobal. Oh, yeah, that he was real happy he was never going to leave? Yeah, and then, then, like, what, two weeks later, he left. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is Miami's? Miami is, Miami is five and six on the year. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, two and four at home. Ooh, that's not good. Oh. Well, maybe they don't like being like an assistant coach to Phil Knight. Could that, be. That could be. Yeah. Well, Beach, with that, are you ready to go under further review for week number 12 in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown. Sure. All right. Going into this week, you were in the lead. At Damn 50, right, I'm in the lead. At 51 out of 67. Um, Kyle was... At 50, 46 out of 67, and I was at 50 out of 67. Okay. Okay. First up, Beads, all the games were on Saturday, November 19th. First up, we had Washington State at Arizona. And looks like you went with Arizona, Billy, but Kyle and I stayed home with Wazoo. Well, Beads, Arizona quarterback Jaden Delora threw four interceptions including on three consecutive second-half drives with one of those picks getting returned for a touchdown and Arizona's 31-20 loss at Arizona Stadium on Saturday. Now, the loss eliminated Arizona from bowl consideration, which needed to win its final two games, including this week's Territorial Club clash with ASU, to become bowl eligible for the first time since 2017. Now, Delora, who was the Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year last year with Washington State, was 28-46 for 357 yards passing and a rushing TD, but 
Um, but both of those TDs were in the fourth quarter after the Wildcats were down 31-6. to Now he scored on an 11-yard run and fired a 47-yard TD pass to Dorian Singer, who finished with nine catches for 176 yards. Now down 21-6 to at half, Arizona's defense made back-to-back stops, but the offense couldn't take advantage. The Wildcats went three and out on their first two possessions of the third quarter. Then Delora was picked off near midfield. Now for Wazoo, Sam Lockett III returned one of those picks to the U of A 19. Now Washington State appeared to have scored TD in the third quarter on an interception return, but the player lost the ball as he was crossing the goal line. The play was reviewed, and the Cougars got it at the half-yard line, but then a false start two incompletions forced them to kick a 24-yard field goal. So he got a little too overzealous, and he dropped the ball before he crossed the uh, the goal line? Correct. He pulled a uh, he pulled an Ocho Cinco there? Yep. And then two plays later, it was 31-6, to as Washington State corner Derek Langford Jr. brought back a pick 35 yards for a TD. So where did they spot the ball on that? The half-yard line, where he dropped it. Did somebody pick it up and down it or what? No, no, nobody did. They just called it dead at the half yard line. Yes. Weird. Yep. Is is that a normal call? Is that what you do if nobody? It, picks that's up not a normal play, play, but yeah, that's kind of how you have to rule it when that happens. Is it goes back to the team that was last to have it on offense, and it is where the ball died at. Correct. Okay. Because the ball was considered but, dead right there. Because if it would have rolled into the end zone, then it would have been the other team's ball on a touchback. If it, if they would have recovered it, yeah. Or if it was, or if it was, zone. if it was ruled in the end zone and dead, then it's a touchback. Wow. Yep. Interesting. So the uh, so so their Arizona's quarterback was considered one of the best last year. He was the freshman of the year last year. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's uh, not. Uh, yeah, he's, he must have been the Millie Vanilli of. Uh, of the, the, the Grammy pick there. He helped beat UCLA last week. We watched that game. Well, yeah, maybe, but he sure looked like shit last week, this week, didn't he? Yeah, but he was playing his old team. But he was playing his old team. So mm. they might know him a little yeah. bit better. Oh, could be, I suppose. Yep. All right. So. so you guys got the win there. Up next, Stanford at Cal. And we all picked uh, Cal to take Stanford out. Like Stanford's just going to continue to their their drop to the bottom. Yep. Cal linebacker Jackson Sermon scored on a 37-yard return following a wild play with two fumbles, and Cal rallied from a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter to beat Stanford 27-20 in the big game on Saturday. Now the Golden Bears trailed 17-6. The Golden Bears trailed 17-6 in the fourth quarter when Jack Plummer started the comeback with a one-yard touchdown pass to Monroe Young. Then things went crazy on the ensuing possession for Stanford. Backup quarterback Ashton Daniels, now he's the quarterback that is more of the running quarterback. Mm-hmm. He came in and took a direct snap and ran to his left. Now he was stripped of the ball by Daniel Scott, and Cal's Jeremiah Irby recovered it. But then Daniels knocked the ball loose from Irby for a second fumble on the play only to have Sermon scoop it up in stride and run it in to give Cal a 20-17 lead with 9.54 to play. Wow, heck of a play. Yeah, so the quarterback had the ball. He was running. It was stripped. The ball bounced, was scooped up by one player. The quarterback then stripped him of the ball, but the ball bounced right up to another defensive player who picked it up in stride and ran it into the end zone. 
Well, good effort, good second effort by the part of the quarterback. Yeah, but the quarterback also shouldn't have been carrying the ball like a loaf of bread when he got it stripped from him the first time. Uh, True, true. (laughs) Now, Stanford had three more drives to rally, but the Cardinal punted twice. And then McKee, the starting quarterback, was intercepted by Scott with just uh, more than two minutes to play, setting up Jaden Ott's one-yard TD run that sealed the win. Okay, so we all got a point there. All right, next up, USC at UCLA. And I think Kyle took USC, which was probably a good choice because you and I both picked uh, the bitch tits uh, who coaches UCLA. Correct. USC quarterback Caleb Williams had 503 yards of total offense and accounted for three touchdowns, and the seventh-ranked Trojans beat UCLA 48-45 to on Saturday night to reach the Pac-12 championship game. Now, Williams completed 32 of 43 passes for 470 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. The sophomore also rushed for 33 yards and a score. It was the second most passing yards by a USC quarterback in 92 editions of the Crosstown Showdown. Now, fifth-year quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA accounted for all six Bruin touchdowns and 385 yards of total offense. But he also had three interceptions and a fumble that the Trojans converted into 10 points. On the year beads, USC is plus 20 on turnovers. They lead the nation in that category. Well, yeah, you're not going to win when you have three turnovers in a game. I mean, no, four. He had four turnovers, three interceptions what? and a fumble. Jeez. The, um, and, um, you know, USC's uh, quarter, but USC's um, defense gives up points. You can move the ball on USC. But, yeah, that's what that. Shows in that game right there. That was a lot yep, of points. But they create turnovers. The um, uh, it, Well, UCLA hasn't lost by many points all year long, have they? I mean, they just lost barely to Oregon, correct? And they just lost s- barely here to USC. Let me see here. Um, I'll see what their point differential is. So, their overall UCLA. So, overall... They've scored 440 points mm-hmm. and given up 312. So, but we don't know what their short. There looks are like they're the third third highest for points. I don't know what they're all what their game differentials are. Yeah, I could look. Yeah, Let's but I mean, see. like Oregon, Oregon State, we've been really darn close. Our losses were all so uh, other than Utah. All of our losses were pretty darn close. They lost by 15 to Oregon. They lost by six to Arizona and three to USC. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so point wise though, they've got the third most points scored in the league. Number one is USC with 472 and points given up. They've given up 312, which it looks kind of be in the middle for the most points. The Beavs have only given up 223, which is only three points more than Utah, who's only given up 220. Hmm. So, anyways. So, yeah, so USC is going to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. All right. I, I was, now, uh, so is that at the, the new Raider Stadium down there? Yeah. Okay. Was uh, Somebody asked me today, they're like, so do they get home field advantage? Do they play at USC? And I'm like, no. I said, I don't think anybody wants to play at the Coliseum, not even USC. I said, I know they usually pick a neutral side. I just didn't know where it was. Yeah, year. well, I think, I don't know. If it, was a, it used to be the first couple of years it was at Levi Stadium 
down there where the 49ers play. But when mm-hmm. this, when the Vegas stadium opened up, they moved it over there. Probably. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a nicer venue, but uh, I think it is. And it's domed. I was going to say that's probably the nice. It's also dome. usually easier to get to Vegas. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, Vegas a- always has so many. Yeah. Vegas always has so many flights going in from almost every area on the coast. Exactly. Exactly. As opposed to trying to get into San Francisco or, mm-hmm. or Oakland. All right. Next up, Beach, we had Colorado at Washington. And we all picked the Huskies because, well, they don't suck like Colorado does. <laughs> no, no one sucks like Colorado does. <laughs> Washington running back Wayne Talalu Papa, who transferred from Virginia this week, rushed for two touchdowns. Washington running back Wayne Talalu Papa, who transferred from Virginia, rushed for two touchdowns and 107 yards. And the number 15 Huskies beat Colorado 54-7 on Saturday at Husky Stadium for their fifth straight win. Now, Talalu Papa, who is mourning three of his former Virginia teammates who were fatally shot last weekend, scored from eight and two yards out to get the Huskies to a 21-0 lead. Cameron Davis added two more scores for Washington, who finished 7 ho for just the third time ever and the first time since 2007. Now, the victory gave Coach Kalen DeBoer nine wins for in his first season, a school record. And it kept the Huskies in the race for a berth in the conference title game with one contest to go. Now, Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. passed for 229 yards. Now, Beavs, this game wasn't even close. The Beavs led 33 to nothing at halftime after scoring 12 points in the final minute and 21 of the half. Hmm. Colorado's just bad. Um, you mentioned those uh, three players that were killed. Weren't they killed coming off of a bus? Yeah, it was a field trip, and they were on a bus. And it... for the foot for the football team, or no, for it was for a were... class. They'd gone to Washington D.C. for a class, and um, it was supposedly a guy who used to be on the team, and he, I guess he'd gotten in trouble with having a gun before, and he had a gun on him, and he pulled it out, and he killed one guy while he was sleeping, supposedly. So it wasn't. It was. So it wasn't coming off the bus. No, it was on the bus. Oh, he was sleeping on the bus, and yeah, they were on oh, the bus, and he pulled the gun out on the bus, from what I understand. So I, you know, in my mind, when they were, t- I didn't read the whole article. I just assumed that he stalked them while they were coming off the bus. He was with him on the bus and did it. Correct. Wow. He was in the back of the bus, I think. It's crazy. Yep. Makes no sense. All right, so we all got the win there. And the last game we picked for the week, Beach, Utah at Oregon. And we were all hoping, praying, wishing, desiring Utah to beat Oregon. But Oregon quarterback Bo Nix threw for 287 yards and a touchdown despite a lower leg injury. Oregon intercepted three of Utah quarterback Cameron Rising's passes and the Ducks knocked off the Utes 20-17 to on Saturday night. Now, Nix was clearly limited after suffering an injury to his right ankle or foot in last week's loss to Washington that snapped Oregon's 23-game home win streak. He did throw a four-yard TD pass this week to Troy Franklin in the first half, and Bucky Irving added a 10-yard TD run as the Ducks built a 17-3 to halftime lead. He looked... Uh, now, as far as his throwing goes, it was fine. As far as his mobility goes, he looked terrible. He did. I mean, he just literally looks like he could barely – I mean, it looked like walking was about as best that he was going to be able to do. He couldn't evade anything. No. 
No. Now, also for the Ducks, Camden Lewis added field goals of 30 and 41 yards, uh, the second of which came early in the fourth quarter and proved to be the winning points. Now, Nick's finished 25 of 37 passing, and his own interception late in the fourth quarter proved to not be costly for the Ducks. Nick's first carry of the night came with less than two minutes remaining when he faked a pitch and dove for two yards and picked up the clinching first down for the Ducks. I, uh, I just had a feeling they were going to do that when yep. I was listening to that person on the radio. Yep. And I'm like, that son of a bitch is going to sneak it in. That's what those bastard ducks do every freaking time. Yep. And no one, it was actually a pretty gutty call because he obviously couldn't move very well. Yeah. But, you know, they, but they weren't going to they weren't going to watch him, though, either because of it. Yep. Now, rising for Utah was 21 of 38 passing and set a career high with three interceptions. And he flubbed an easy throw on fourth down in the fourth quarter deep in Oregon territory. Now, two of the picks came off deflected passes, but the costliest one was rising's late throw across the middle that Oregon's Bennett Williams nabbed near midfield with 415 remaining. And that was his second pick of the game. Yeah. And, and Utah just never looked like they were in sync. No, no, I didn't think they. They just didn't. They, they, they didn't, didn't look like they were they into the game. Like they should have played. No, been able to play. They just didn't look like they were into the game at all. No, I, I it was it was frustrating to me watching it because I was rooting for them the whole time, and um, they weren't put enough pressure on Knicks at all, which they should have been. I agree because because he didn't have the ability to flee. Um, I think they would. I think that I said think they, that said Oregon's offensive line is excellent. Yeah, but I think if they would have maybe took a little bit more risky endeavor and put the you know uh, move the linebackers up, I I think they could have uh, I think they could have taken him out easier than he would have been able well, to, to find one of his yeah, receivers. Yeah, they were also running pretty quick quick routes. Were they? Yeah, yeah, they weren't. He wasn't dropping back a lot and and reading long things or they were running bootlegs. He was back there making a quick read and throwing the ball. Hmm. So because they knew he was limited. Uh, Mobility wise. So. Yeah. All right, Beach. So looks like Kyle had the best week going four or five. You went three of five and I went two of five. So as of right now, you're in the lead at 54 out of 72. I'm at 52 out of 72 and Kyle is at 50 out of 72. This is the closest I think all three of us have ever been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is still, this is still achievable. Yeah. I mean, Kyle's got a kind of, kind of got the long route to go, but, but, uh, you know, this isn't like a final Jeopardy where, you know, everybody's sitting with 100 bucks and the one guy's got 10000 Yeah. All right, so. Beach, last game of the week, Oregon State at Arizona State. <sighs> it was it was a great day to be a Beaver. It would have, I was so hoping for a perfect week, and it didn't happen, but I will take a half-perfect week if it means the Beavs take a win. This is true. Oregon State running back Damian Martinez ran for 137 yards and two touchdowns. As Oregon State won... 31 to seven over Arizona state on Saturday in Tempe. Now the beeves won for just the second time at ASU since 1972. They were one and 19 on the road against the sun devils going into the game. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I think the last time they won there was with Derek Anderson. Holy crap. And maybe, um, Oh yeah. So I don't know when the last time Oregon state won at, um, Tempe. It's been, it wasn't with um, Jonathan Smith. Any idea what it might have been? I have no idea, Billy. 2015? You said 17 years? Well, it's been since 2000, because I know they didn't play him in 2000. I don't think Jonathan Smith and Simonton ever beat Arizona State. There. 
ever. So I'm trying to look at this like when the oh here we go 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 I found it I found it I found it so at so the last two games they've played in Corvallis last three games they've played in Corvallis 2018 no um no 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 and they've played a lot of these games in Corvallis lately. No, 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 no. Here we go. 2009. Wow. 2009, they beat uh, Arizona State in Tempe 28 to 17. So 40, uh, so that was the only other time they beat him there. Hmm. So in that sense, the, the series goes back to 1961. I think they entered the Pac-10 in 1972. So, kind of crazy. Kinda Is that when it went from being the Pac-8 to the Pac-10? Correct, I believe so. So, Beach, uh, the Beavs dominated, especially in the second half. They had 28 first downs to Arizona State's 13. Now, Oregon defense, defense looked phenomenal. Exactly. Oregon State quarterback Ben Gilbranson threw a touchdown pass and was 15 for 21 for 188 yards passing. His eight-yard touchdown run on a quarterback draw on third and goal made it 28 to 7. Oregon State with 10 seconds left in the third quarter. Now, Arizona State went 67 yards and seven plays, keyed by Xavier Valade's 39-yard run. Now, Valade ran 11 yards um, with 153 to play in the first half to make it 7-7. to Valade finished the game with 109 yards and 13 carries. But, Beach, after that uh, minute 53 left in the first half, Gilbranson connected with tight end Jack Velling for a 21-yard touchdown with a minute six to go in the first half to put Oregon State ahead for good 14-7. The 75-yard drive took only 45 seconds and four plays, two of them to a wide-open Velling. Now, Martinez ran for a 12-yard touchdown to cap a 10-play drive to start the second half for Oregon State. And, Beach, I think that's going to be something big for this week against the Ducks. The best receiver that Utah had to get the ball to was their uh, tight end, Kincaid. And I think Velling can be a very big weapon for Oregon State against the Ducks this week. I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah, the uh, that that drive just before the end of the first half, that one you said for it play, it's great. I mean, oh, it was phenomenal. I mean, it 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 was so well executed, and they said going to the halftime that that just deflated Arizona State. Yeah, because they you know, I mean, here 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 they tied it up, think they're going to go into halftime tied, and then within less than a minute, Oregon State drives the field and scores. Yep, and then Oregon so. State gets the ball to start the second half. And goes up two scores. Mm-hmm. Take the ball, drive yeah. it down their throat. Go up two as, as a Beaver fan, I never, well, I never breathe a sigh of relief. But but when when you start getting up by three and a half scores, it starts to, uh, it starts making you feel better. Exactly. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so that was that was once once we were up by uh, by what was a twenty one, I think at that point, mm-hmm. it was that was that was a comforting feeling. Yeah. So I just still, you know, I always go back. Joey Harrington. I mean, that man could score four touchdowns in a in a single quarter without even trying. So that's why twenty eight points is never comfortable to me after seeing what Joey could do. I understand. So, yeah. 
All right, Beach. But uh, like I said, I thought the Bees played a great game. Defensively, they great. And they had a lot of guys not play. Or do you think we're going to get Gould back? That was one of my thoughts. I didn't even realize he was hurt until that game started and Irish yeah. was returning kicks. Um, from what they said last on Saturday, everybody has the possibility of returning for this game. I don't know if that includes Chance Nolan. Okay. At quarterback. Um, but I think everyone else uh, hopefully will be good to go. Okay. Because I would like to see us get Jaden Grant back. I'd like to see us get Alex Austin back. Those are two of our best defensive backs. I'd like mm-hmm. to see Coletto back. I'd like to see mm-hmm. Gould back. He's because well, he can be a weapon. I, well, I was going to say to defeat the Ducks, we need all of our weapons out there. I agree. So, now, so Billy, can we do a breakdown of the Pac-12 and how that lines up for the Pac-12 championship? Okay. Well, right now USC is in. With an eight and one conference record. Okay, so who's who is who has the potential to go to okay. to, uh, to to go against them? In second place, you have the Ducks at seven and one. Okay. And then tied for third place, you have Oregon. Uh, excuse me, you have Washington and Utah at six and two. And then behind that is Oregon State and UCLA at five and three. Now. Uh, UCLA is out. Oregon State is out. Okay. So if Oregon beats Oregon State, they go to the Pac-12 championship. Yep. No questions asked. They control their destiny. Correct. Now, if Oregon loses. Okay. And Washington wins. And Utah. That all that needs is that, and then they go, don't they? Hold on, because they'd be each tied at seven and two, and Washington beat the Ducks and heads up, so Washington goes. So if, and I don't see how there's a path for Utah. Uh, well, if, hmm. or does Utah go over Washington? Well, so if Wash, if Oregon wins, they're in. If Oregon uh-huh. loses and Utah loses, Washington's in. Okay. Right? Now, if okay. Oregon win, Oregon loses, Washington wins, and Utah wins, they're all tied at 7-2. and two. Okay. Right? Yep. Now, but Oregon didn't play USC and Washington didn't play USC. So I don't think that's a tiebreaker. Right? Okay. Well, and, and so the, the Ducks lost to Washington, Washington lost to Utah, and Utah washed, lost to the Ducks. Correct. So the head-to-head, so, doesn't, the head-to-head doesn't work. Okay. Right? There's no – so then it's to the top place team, but but um, two of those teams, teams have, they didn't play them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They all didn't play them. Only one so that played them was Utah. So then the next would be Oregon State, which – Oregon would have lost. Well, then it would be Washington. No, it'd be between Washington and Utah. But I don't know. Does it go to Oregon State or UCLA? We lost they, all of them. So, yeah, they lost. They they all beat them. So then it would go to UCLA, and then Utah or Washington 
lost to UCLA. And did you talk? So did UCLA? so did you so did UCLA? What, what you mean? So the duck? No, ducks beat UCLA. And so Utah lost. And so did Washington. <laughs> so then Oregon would go. But if UCLA loses to Cal, I don't know. It, it's kind of a mess. I, 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 you know, sometimes you want to see the thing burn, though. That's what I'm. I, I do too. People ask me, "What do you, what, what do you want?" And I go, "I love chaos." Oh yeah, absolutely. I love chaos. I love chaos in it. Um, but it's kind of a mess right now. Okay, so essentially, what we're hoping for is Beavers. Oregon win. State wins. That's all we ever freaking care yes. about. Yes. But I also don't want to see those freaking bastard ducks go to the championship game. No. So. so I would take Washington or Utah and then hope they beat USC. Yeah. Because I can choose, root for Washington or Utah. If USC goes, F them. Yeah. Yeah. If it, yeah. I'm with you there. I'll root for Washington. I'll root for Utah. If it goes the other way, I'm going to root for USC. Yeah. Now, we did get, what, seven teams qualified for bowl games. So Wa- Washington State, UCLA, Oregon State, Utah, Washington, Oregon, and USC. Like that's really good. That's really good. Um, I and mean, that's more what, than half what, the league. What are the do Do you know what the top bowl games are? Well, uh, obviously you've got the Rose Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the Vegas Bowl, the Sun Bowl. I don't know what else is in there. But we should be going, theoretically, we should be going to one of those five bowl games. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know where the bees will end up. Okay. I'd like to see them in Vegas because they go to Vegas. We can go to that one. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go to the Holiday Bowl. That's always been on my list. Me too, but I don't know if that one's on the table. We'll see. We'll have to see. It's kind of, it's, it's still a mess right now. Yeah. There's yeah, too absolutely. many permutations of things that can happen. Now, are all games over on uh, after this weekend? Uh, except for the Pac-12 championship game, yes. Okay, okay. And that's going to be the week after that, or is it two weeks after? That's that's uh, December what second? Okay, so right just the week 2nd. after. Yep. All right, okay. Beach. Uh, let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls right now. The the uh, AP and the coaches poll came out, and the AP poll USC is up to number five, which would put them in the playoff scenario if it was now. Mm-hmm. Oregon is up to 10. Washington at 12. I actually it wouldn't put USC in the playoff, but it would put them in the New Year's Day bowl games. Okay. So USC at five, Oregon at 10, Washington at 12, Utah at 14, UCLA at 17, and Oregon State moves up to 22. Now, mm-hmm. in, the, in the coaches' poll, USC again at five, Oregon's at nine, Washington's again at 12, Utah at 14. UCLA is 18 and Oregon State at number 22. That's now, awesome. in last week's playoff poll, they go all the way down to 25. Oregon State came in at number 23. Hmm. But they don't release the playoff polls until Tuesday, so we won't know where they're at this week until the day this podcast comes out. So, but, uh, Yeah, <laughs> respectable for what we are. It's a respectable blue-collar team right there. Hey, the Beavs are the Beavs are 8-3 overall and have the chance for a 10-win season. And we've only seen two of those ever in Beaver history. Wow. 2000, that... 2000 when the Beavs went 11-1, and, and 2006 mm-hmm. when the Beavs went 10-4. and four. 
Why did they why the, why did they play 14 games that year? Because they played yeah. an out of conference game at Hawaii, so they got a 13th conference game. Okay. That's why they played 14. Okay. Otherwise, chances are it wouldn't have been. Correct. All right, Beach. It is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, like discuss person in college football exemplifies the truly worst of sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this one, it's actually been hard, Beach, for me to find jackasses this year. Not too much jackassery going around. Huh? No, no. But this one, it's just I'm just irritated by it, and I think it's stupid. And so we're going to give this one to the SEC Conference. Well, nobody likes them anyway, except the people who are in the SEC Conference, correct? True. true. And ESPN. Oh, okay. Yeah, they orgasm up them, don't they? Yeah, they do. So, Beach, uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt Universities were both fined by the Southeastern Conference on Sunday, a day after the school's fans rushed the field to celebrate football victories. The SEC docked Vanderbilt $250,000 for the school's third violation of the league's access to competition area rules. The Commodores won their second straight league game and broke an eight-game losing streak to Florida with a 31-24 win on Saturday. Now, the SEC said it was Vanderbilt's third violation. The last one came in 2016 at a men's basketball win over Kentucky in 2016. Are you kidding me? It gets better, Beach. South Carolina Dude. South Carolina was fined $100,000 after its fans filled the field following a 63-38 to win over then-fifth-ranked Tennessee on Saturday night. The SEC said South Carolina was last fined in... 2016? 2014, after its men's basketball team topped Kennedy, uh, topped Kentucky. Dude, you got to have a statute of limitations on these things. The collective fines going to the SEC Postgraduate Scholarship Fund. I agree, Beach. I just think that's I mean, stupid. I mean, I could understand maybe within, I mean, I would say within the same year, but I would go, the, the maximum I would go is within the last three years. How about give them four years? Because the people sure. that rushed the, sta- the stadium here, in 2022, they were the they same. were in elementary school. <laughs> they were in elementary school, maybe that, middle school. Yeah, that's when the last time nuts. it happened. Well, I hope they if got. It, if it was Tennessee, to... they were definitely in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I hope they give their uh, I hope they that money goes to a good scholarship because yeah. that's pathetic. And I'm not I'm not a proponent of rushing the field or the floor. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for the competitors. It's dangerous for the fans. It's dangerous for the officials. I don't like it. That mm-hmm. said, you have to reset the clock on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think – we've been going to the Oregon State games now for, what, 30 years? And uh, Yeah, 31. Yeah, and I've never gone down on the field. But back early on, remember back in the early years? You never years, go down on anything. True that. <laughs> um, uh, there's a uh, – well, I'd like to argue with you, but it's just flat out true. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe cheeseburger. I don't know. Maybe double-double. That's about as good as I get anymore. Really thick shake. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I, I was I was supposed to have a date later earlier this week, and the the gal was kind enough to uh, cancel on me a couple hours before, and uh, so that was really nice. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just pathetic anymore. Anyway, but remember the early days of uh, Parker, and wasn't there? When they uh, had the cyclone fence around the there field. There was a cyclone fence around the damn thing. Yeah, people don't remember that. There was a cyclone fence at field level, so if you wanted to go on the field, you had to go down and then climb over the fence to get on the field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I vividly remember that. You, you know, it's it's funny because the people who are probably watching the games now don't even remember the fact that the the student side had no cover. It was up the hill. I mean, because literally it was built on a pile of dirt. Mm-hmm. And and you remember there was like I don't know two or three years where they put plastic tarps over like five or six rows because the students would stand the whole time and people got pissed off, so they made them sit back like five or six rows so that they could see over the fans. Oh yeah. The, the, the student section. Yeah. So, and then there was the, the, some of the guys would sit up on the hill with the trees on both sides. Yeah. I don't remember right. when they removed the, uh, when they removed the fence. But I, I remember the, either. I remember the fence being down there. Yeah. Well, it must've been shortly because the streak that it was removed by the time the streaker did that thing that one time. Yeah. So it had to be, I'm, you know, who probably did it was probably Mitch Barnhard, the old AD. So I bet that was probably like 98, 99. Well, Hey, it was gone in 98 because they rushed the field at the civil war. Okay. Okay. So it had to be gone in 98. When was the streaker? Was it that, was that early two thousands? Yeah, yeah, that had to be early two thousands. And the possum was about that same time too, wasn't it? The possum it? was the two was two thousand. Okay, yeah, crazy. I, you know, we should. I, I haven't looked at pictures of old research in years. I should see if there's Google some images on there and see what that remind me what that place looked like. So remember the one bathroom sitting over there, and then they put the first jumbotron. Didn't it sit over the top of the bathroom? Correct. In the corner. Yeah. But anyways, so so, the, times. so SEC conference, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. Yeah, I just thought it was stupid. I'm like, come on. That's just, that's just, again, I just, <laughs> they did it back in 1918. <laughs> They're going to get you. All right, Beach, <laughs> it is time for this week's musical interlude and you are on the clock. Okay, you're probably going to hate me for this one, Billy, but I picked it anyway because, by God, it was between this or a song by Nirvana, and I just didn't know which one to grab. So I decided this one sounded a little bit more fun. So the Bloodhound Gang was an American rap rock band from Collegeville, Pennsylvania. It was founded in 1988 by rappers Jimmy Pop and Daddy Longlegs as a hip-hop group before branching out into other genres as their career progressed, including punk rock, alternative, hip-hop, rapcore, funk metal, and electronic rock. I don't even know what half those are. They lasted until 2015. Firewater Burn is the first single from the band's second album, One Fierce Beer Coaster, from 1996. The chorus of the song is derived from the song The Roof is on Fire by rock master Scott and the Dynamic Three. Yet uh, the 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 song is sung considerably slower. I actually just listened to uh, "The Roof Is on Fire" by Rockmaster Scott, and you have to go through like five minutes of painful rapping before you finally hear <laughs> the the chorus. 
Um, the single uh, Firewater Burn, uh, the single charted on two U.S. Billboard charts, reaching number 18 on the Modern Rock Tracks chart and number 28 on the Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. The song was more successful abroad. This is was fun, I thought was funny. Reaching number two in Norway, number four in the Netherlands, number five in Iceland, and the top 10 in Denmark, New Zealand, and Sweden. Uh, it has gone platinum in the latter two countries. Firewater Burn makes a variety of references to numerous figures from pop culture. These include musicians Barry White, Frank Black, Marvin Gaye, Martha Ray, Lawrence Welk, one of my favorites there, uh, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, and fictional characters Han Solo and Webster. Uh, they also mention Mark Twain as well as U.S. President John F. Kennedy. If, if depending on which version you choose to play, Billy, uh, the censored version replaces the term mother with a donkey brain. Uh, Billboard commented on this song. Uh, Is the world ready or in need of a new act mining ground broken by the Beastie Boys and Ugly Kid Joe a number of years ago? Probably not. But here comes the Bloodhound Gang anyway. And this proves to be quite the guilty pleasure. The words of this chugging funk rocker are extremely amusing and are delivered with a monotone howl that gets its bounce from grinding turntable scratching and fuzz guitar lines. So here you go. For those of you who have never heard this classic, Firewater Burned by the Bloodhound Gang. Yo, 
I think it's classic. Okay. You know what? You know it's funny. the The first time I remember hearing that chorus, we were at a Portland pilot. Well, we were at the University of Portland watching the Glencoe girls play, and the the oh, that you heard the team. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That part. Of the... We didn't hear the song. I didn't hear the, the roof. Song. The roof. Oh. The roof is yeah. on fire. Yeah. We don't need no water. Let the, yeah. And we were playing some, I think we were playing some uh, uh, team from Portland and they were singing that. I think it was Jefferson. Could have been. And all I remember is every time that we tried to sing truck and the, the, the rally would always uh, change the song so that we didn't take everybody out doing the truck and <laughs> on the, on the, on the, uh, on the seats. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Classic times there at Glencoe high school. So Anyway, hopefully everybody enjoyed that one. It's, you know, uh, it's an interesting uh, theme for fire this year. It kind of makes me have to go outside my comfort zone a little bit. That was your theme. Well, I know. I kind of like being challenged. You are definitely challenging. Oh, kiss my ass. (laughs) All right, Beach. It is time to preview week number 13, the final week of the regular season in the Pac-12. Let me get my paper ready. All right. Ready to go here. All right. I got Kyle's email. 
and we are ready to rock. All right, first up, Beach. We have two games on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, the 25th. First up, Arizona State at Arizona for the Territorial Cup. Well, I'm thinking Arizona State's going to recover from their loss this last week, and I think they're going to beat the hell out of Arizona. Okay. Kyle says, ASU takes the Territory Cup. I'm taking Arizona. Really? Yep. Are you doing that because you think they're going to win, or are you doing that because you're trying to go for the uh, the win? I think they're the better team, although really? they have identical records right now in the pack. But, hmm. uh, yeah, I think I think they have a better chance. And I need to make up some ground on you. This is an okay. easy one to do it. So, yep. And Kyle says, ASU takes the Territory Cup. It's actually the Territorial Cup, I believe, but there you go. All right. He's been drinking again. The other game on Friday is UCLA at Cal. So little brother going up to big brother. I'm pretty sure Chip Kelly's going to take out Cal. You're putting UCLA. I, too, will take UCLA. Kyle says, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle, oh, God. What America wants to know is the condition of bitch tits nipples. Not since the Super Bowl 38 have Americans been this concerned with someone's nipples during a football game. He's talking about Janet Jackson. Thanksgiving may be this Thursday, but Friday evening you'll be able to see that Chip's turkey is done. UCLA. When the little thingy pops out. When it pops out, the the turkey's done. (laughs) All right. The rest of the games are on Saturday, Beach. First up, Utah at Colorado. Oh. I'm taking oh, Utah. I'm taking Utah. I am too. I am too. That's just that's just sad for Colorado. Yeah. Uh Kyle says the little goats will need to steamroll the Buffaloes to make a statement. Utah. I don't think that'll be hard. All right. Uh we all got there. Next up, ooh, big one. Notre Dame at USC. Hmm. Hmm. Now Kyle says, Kyle says, I have a hunch that the Trojans will ring their bell, USC. But, you know, USC and and UCLA play for the victory bell. Mm -hmm. USC and Notre Dame play for the bejeweled shillelagh. That's right. The classic bejeweled shillelagh. Yeah. Now, the interesting one about this, remember, uh, Stanford is what? Two and three and eight on the year. Um, one of those wins is against Notre Dame. I know. That's I'm thinking. I, I, that's why I think Notre Dame's over. over uh, Rated? Because, I mean, what are they ranked? Yeah. They're ranked like 13th? Yeah. 13th. I'm going with USC. I'm going to go with USC. You're going to USC. I too am taking USC. It's, it's at US, it is at USC anyway. Yeah, I'm going to take USC also. But I wouldn't mind seeing. I, I don't like either of those teams, but mm-hmm. F F USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick a team on that one. I'm just gonna watch it. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm picking it for this thing. But if I'm watching the game, I really don't have a back the pack. USC ain't pack. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Nope. Screw those guys. All right. But wannabes. Next up, we're back into the. Uh, into the rivalry games here in the pack. Washington at Washington State for the Apple Cup. Ooh, they got to play out in Pullman this year, huh? 
talk about nipples getting hard. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Washington on that just for the fact that I think they're equally matched picking Washington. Cause I think they got more of a reason to fight. All right. Kyle says, wouldn't it look better for the bees to have lost to a seven or two Huskies or to be tied in the standings with a six and three Huskies and still end up behind them. Surging Huskies take the win. What the hell happened to them to lose at ASU? Kind, kind uh, of agree with them there. Yeah, sometimes um, you just have a bad game. Yeah. I like to call ours USC. Yeah, I'm just looking here. Do I take? I'm going to take Wazoo in this. I got to make up ground somewhere. Mm. And um, I think that might be the one. Okay. Well, it's, it's very doable. I think they're very closely matched teams. Yeah. And if I had to pick the weather's advantage to Wazoo. Yeah, and it's in Wazoo. And Wazoo's starting to get um, yeah. uh, healthy. And they got that Nakia Watson back, the running back, which, which they didn't have against Oregon State. I just so, think the Huskies got something more to prove. But I just... I just they, don't. They, they need to win. Other than Oregon, I don't think the Huskies play well on the road. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Last game that we're picking for the week, Beach. BYU at Stanford. BYU at Stanford. I gotta take BYU. Okay. I, too, am taking BYU. BYU said, or uh, Kyle says, BYU soak the Cardinal. Soak the Cardinal? Yes. Have you heard of soaking? No. Are you on your computer? Yes. Okay. Go to the Urban Dictionary. Look up soaking. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I had never heard of this. Kyle texted me earlier and said, have you heard of this? And I said, no. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay. And then he said, uh, I go, oh, so this is like uh, 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 soaking is above dry humping or Levi loving. And he goes, yeah, the step after soaking is called, what is it called? A jump soak? It's when you have your buddy jump on the bed behind you. <laughs> wow. To bounce you. Anyways, anybody wants to know, uh, look up soak, soaking in the, uh, you, you know, in the uh, urban dictionary. My, um, my, uh, my, my Mormon friend, Becky told me that, uh, they call it docking as well. Okay. But yeah, yes. There's also a uh, connotation for two dudes with that one. Oh, docking? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, it makes me wonder why you know that, Billy. Uh, I work with all 18 to 24-year-olds. So it's not helping your... I, helping. I, I hear all of the urban slang. Oh, oh, is that what it is? Yeah. I remember a few years right. ago I was doing something and and uh, a couple of a couple of the employers were talking. I went, yeah, I slid into her DMs and did this. And they turned around and looked at me and their mouth hit the floor. And they're like, you know what sliding into the DMs means? And I'm like, 
Dude, I'm not dead. Anyways, so, yes. All right. Well, that's there for the picks. We'll see where we end up next week. But, Beads, we've got one more game. Oregon at Oregon State. The rivalry game, formerly known as the Civil War. Oh, yes. You know, I remember watching it back when it was called Civil War. I remember watching a lot of Civil Wars. Yeah. Liked watching Civil Wars. Yeah, not as big. Yeah, not as big a fan as the rivalry game. That formerly was, you know, norm- formerly form- called Civil War. Yeah, but yeah, big fan of the Civil War. Yeah, I can so. remember going to Civil War in 1991 and 93 when the Beavs won the Civil War at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Civil War baseball. I've been to Civil War basketball. When was the last Civil War we didn't go to, Billy? For football? Yeah. Nine. Well, we didn't. Well, well, we didn't go to the. We didn't go to the, the COVID year, correct? Because we couldn't go to the COVID year. Correct. Two thousand and three. Okay. Was that the last one we didn't make it to? I believe so. Because we watched it on TV at our, my house over on Cougar. Yeah, my my favorite comment to somebody who's a duck fan is like, "You're a duck fan? Oh yeah. Like, wow, do you go to any duck games? Well, no, I've never been to Hudson. Yeah. Never seen a duck game personally. It's like, wow. So I go to one duck game a year and I can't stand the sons of bitches. <laughs> yep. So anyway. So Beach, what do you think of the uh, rivalry game formerly known as the Civil War? What do you think of the Beavs' chances? I'm I'm giving it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I never like to speak in absolutes and stuff. Honestly, I'm giving it 50-50. That, that's where I think. If I was going to pick the odds, I would say even money. Well, I um, saw right now the odds are Oregon by three and a half. So they're saying, well, it's at Oregon State. State so theoretically, they're giving them a touchdown. But if, they it was a, it's at home. Yeah. if it was in a neutral spot, it would be uh, seven yeah. points. Yeah. Um, but I think that could change if Bo Nix comes out as healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's really going to be the factor. If he gets healthy, that's going to factor into it. If we get all of our tools back, that's going to affect it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this game. I, I'm a little shocked that they uh, are doing a 12-30 start. Well, when both teams won, that moved it up to being very compelling because mm-hmm. Oregon will be playing for a, a shot at the Pac-12 championship game. And uh, USC plays Notre Dame at USC, so that game can be on ESPN. Oh, okay. So they're grabbing that, uh, maybe at ABC, but that'll be on at 5.30. So that left okay. that 12.30 spot open. So. Hmm. Yep. Well, should should be a great game. Should even be a better tailgater. I think so. So, Beach, 12.30 kickoff means early, early tailgater. So yep. we're going to be out there early. We should have – uh, stuff ready to go by seven. I'm re- hoping to have food ready by eight thirty. Okay. Um, and we'll be going until eleven thirty. Okay. And it's breakfast cheese, breakfast cheesesteaks. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between a regular cheesesteak and a breakfast cheesesteak, Beach? We eat them for breakfast. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and um, I've got pretty much everything purchased. Okay. Now last time we did a uh, ch- uh, hot chocolate, but I was thinking this time we should do hot chocolate, but actually make it in the percolator so it's ready to go. Yeah, because last time we just had it. Yeah, to, yeah, to make your own. So this way it'll be yeah. ready to go. I can get it made beforehand. That'll save us all. Well, now we got freaking stir straws too, and now we don't. Well, we can still probably use them. Though, yeah, you can but... still use the stir sticks. Yep. <laughs> Does that sound good? 
That sounds awesome. I'm pretty excited for all this right. whole thing. And we still got all that stuff. Uh, we've got some deep fried stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I loaded you up on pretty much everything, so you'll be ready to go for that. Um, and I will bring some stuff out for um, uh, Bloody Marys, too. Right. Okay. Sound good? Sounds awesome. All right. Um, but I think we're going to make it kind of down and dirty. I don't want to – we're not going to pull out everything. Okay. Since it's so short. So yeah. Um, we're not going to have a – ton of crap does that sound good sounds fine we'll have the we'll have a couple of um chafing dishes for you for Mm -hmm. your deep fried stuff and we'll have the sauces and stuff down there but other than that it's going to be chips dips and that stuff Mm -hmm. sound good they're all coming for the the cheesesteak anyway that's kind of what i figured so and i was going to warm up the uh the whiz this time okay make a little more uh uh, viscous so we can get, get it in there on the cheesesteaks a little bit easier. Sound good? Actually, I think that's a brilliant idea, Billy. All right. Anything else you think we little, need to put do? Put on a little pot on the grill. Is that what you'll do? Um, Actually, I was just going to bring out the uh, soup kettle. Warm it up in there. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I figured that would be the best way to go. What do you think? It works If it works for you, I don't really care. Yeah. Now, do we want to do pretzels again? I'm, I'm thinking no. I don't want to bring I'm, that. I'm thinking no. Let's let's leave the trigger at home because that's just one more device. And with a short tailgater, it's just going to complicate things. That's what I was thinking. I, I was wanting okay. to do them, but with this happening, I'm just thinking, you know, no, let's not do it. Okay. So yeah. we're on the same page. Yep. Um, so food ready by 830, and we'll just be going going hard. Does that sound good? Uh, yeah. Um, now, we might have a little bit of rain on Saturday. Is that what it's looking like? I didn't uh, look- yeah, there's like a 50 yeah. or 60% chance of rain right now. Okay. So, I mean, that can change. That's still six days away, but. But dress accordingly, huh? Yes. And then we could put out the tents, and if that if we don't have the Traeger there, that means we can have a little bit more room to uh, be undercover. Correct. Okay. Anything else, Beach? I got nothing else, Billy. I think we pretty much knocked this one out. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 188 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion or ask a question. Heinrich Tailgater gmail.com at Heinrich Tailgater on Twitter or Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Leave a rating and review. Beach. Billy. Thanks for being here again. Always happy to show up. I do anything for you, Billy. And let's hope uh, next week we have as good of a uh, time as we did this week. When, uh, you know, once, that, once next, next, next week, week we only need one game. For it to be a perfect weekend. Oh, next week? This week, we only need one game oh, for it to be a perfect weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, uh, when will we know bowl outcomes? How long does it take after the after Saturday's games for I, them to uh, um, start lining up the I balls? don't know if it won't be until two weeks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when those... Inv- it might not go out until after the... Uh, um, after the uh, Pac-12 championship in that weekend, okay. when they actually announce who's in the who's in the playoff. Gotcha. Because ultimately, that's going to push. Yeah, who, you, they're going to need to know who goes to the champion or who goes to the Rose Bowl, who's going to be second, and then the invitations. Well, and with with the rankings, I mean, college football playoff. So you've only got four teams left that are undefeated. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. Now, 
either Ohio State or Michigan are going to lose. Right? Mm-hmm. Because they have to play each other. And then one of them will play in the uh, Big Ten Championship. So one of those are going to lose. So if USC wins out, they have a good chance of being in the But anyways, we'll know more in two weeks. All right, until then, Beavs, I hope you win the rivalry game formerly known as the Civil War. Go Beavs. Say something. Something. Okay. Can't believe you can't hear that. I can hear this banging. Well, that's me banging it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, banging the shit out of that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Behind All America Purposes, Um, and, uh, you're doing so well, Billy. Yeah. Now, um, you, uh, Arizona, uh, 20, uh, off the look. Hold on. Mom's calling. Yeah, Madre. Eh, I don't see anything for duck part. Ooh, duck fart shot. No. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see the... I don't see the recipe on here. Yeah, give give him a call. He'll be able to help you. All right, no problem, bye. Well, that'll have to go in the outtakes. <laughs> nice. What'd you guys talk about? Duck fart pudding shots. Okay, where were we at? I like beer. <laughs>